0: your inside pass to everything saints football we'll take you to the places most fans never go to practice to the sideline to the locker room following every twist I keep the ball. turn pigs of flow and touchdown Hell is over. of the 2022 season it is going to be covered by the saints for a touchdown Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh, baby. Doink! Doink again. Welcome in to Inside Black and Gold. This was a rough game, and so let's let's talk about it. I'm Jeff Nowak. I'm your host, WWL Digital Sports Producer. I'd like to thank our new sponsor, Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason, and they are bringing you this podcast Lamarck Ford thanks so much for being a sponsor and yeah so let's get into it I mean 28-25 Vikings over the Saints in London and that only tells part of the story it's it was way way more painful than that if you watched the game or if you were if you were there if you took that trip overseas to get there Uh, we're gonna get into a lot of that we're gonna go through some studs and duds here in the first segment and then we're going to get into, you know, uh, viewer mailbag in the back half of the program. And this will go basically as long as it takes for me to answer all of your all of your burning questions. I have a feeling we're going to end up talking about Andy Dalton and James Winston stunner. But OK, let's let's dive right into what happened in this game, which was the Saints got out to another just painfully slow start on offense. They at least scored in the first half of this game. But it took a while to get there and they got a touchdown and it was in the second quarter it was the first points you had in the second quarter of a game this season but it was still painful you had you had errors and errors and errors and i think there was 10 penalties for 102 penalty yards that's effectively a touchdown that you have surrendered and you know if you want to look at the justin jefferson kind of end around touchdown on the penalties that's a problem that's a problem and you've got to fix it right you've got to find a way cuz this is ugly and you know dennis allen will tell you He thinks this team is close. And while he might be right, he he might be right. It's still like you you can say that as many times as you want until you go out and show it. I don't really care how close the team is to winning. You got to go out and win a goddamn game. And it's just, it's just ugly. And this is what, this is what DA had to say when he was asked, you know, how close he thinks this team is to really, you know, kind of turning the tide, if you will. I really do. Um, uh, You know, Look, there was a lot of really good things. Um, I told the team in there. There's, 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 you know, there there were some good things that we did um, today, but it's hard to overcome, you know, some of those costly turnovers, you know, and I, I think, you know, the 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 fake the fake punt and the and the two turnovers I think led to nine points, um, so, and in a game like that, those those things are costly. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. And that so the fake punt really pissed me off because the fake punt only happened because you got a stupid penalty on the the kickoff, right? You just gone in for a score. Your defense is coming on the field ready to force a three and out, and they do. But because that drive is happening about the 40-yard line, you are in prime fake punt range. If you just go down and make a tackle, heck, if you just kick it out of bounds... There's no way they run a fake punt from their own 25 yard line. So that penalty directly led to points because it put them in a field position where they felt comfortable where you know they probably felt encouraged to go for a fake punt, right? That is the prime field position to do it and it worked. And they what, they continued down the field. I think they ended up with a field goal because they didn't score a touchdown until that Justin Jefferson end around at least so they scored a touchdown on that first possession. They didn't score another one until that Justin Jefferson end around in the second half. And, you know, it's just one example of the many errors that cost you points in a game. And for the fourth game in a row, the biggest story of the game for the Saints was that they were standing directly in their own path, that their sights were squarely placed on their own feet. Their toes are not even there anymore. They've shot themselves in the feet so many times. And I don't even know like how many times is your, if you're a coach and you stand up there and you're like, okay, we need to have a turnover emphasis. We need to make this an emphasis in practice. It's not already. You know, like how, how have you gone through four weeks and watched this and, and not made wholesale changes in terms of how you're doing things? I don't get it, but it's ugly and they, it needs to be fixed. And so with that in mind, let's go through kind of the duds From this game. And I think there are a few of them that are worth mentioning. The first kind of goes into these turnover issues, one of which was on special teams that cannot happen. Special teams has perennially been a strength for the Saints, and it has not been this season by any stretch. And, you know, I'm just going to say it Deontay Hardy, he looks disinterested. I don't know, you know, whether it's because of the contract, because he's on that that tender, because he wants a deal, or yeah, because he's disappointed in his role in the offense, which seems non-existent outside of being a returner. The only time I saw him today was was when he when he fumbled that kickoff, which it was a bad decision to try to get more yards. We asked Da whether it was kind of a bad decision to field at all, and he he wouldn't go into it after the game, but I would wager that. You know, he probably would say, yeah, you probably shouldn't have done anything. You probably should have fair caught it. And, you know, if if your only impact on the game is to catch a punt, catch kickoffs, and you're fumbling them, yeah, that's a good way to get on the dud list. I mean, he has done nothing to contribute this season. I don't know why that is. I don't know why he's not part of the offense, but it could be an attitude thing. And he just looks disinterested to me. He doesn't look like a guy who wants to be out there. Uh, And so that's going to be something that you have to watch because it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. The second dud that I have picked is on the defensive side of the ball. And it's really not fair, but it's Marshawn Lattimore. And the reason I'm picking Marshawn Lattimore, it's not because he played egregiously bad. It's that he is a superstar cornerback. And I don't think he played like one today, at least not in the sense that he he won his matchup because I don't think he did. I think he was competitive with Justin Jefferson. He was shadowing Justin Jefferson for a lot of the day. And, you know, he won some of those one-on-ones, he lost some of them, but at the end, when it came down to it, when the saints needed him to stand up in one-on-one coverage and win, he got burned downfield for a 46 yard catch or whatever it was that set up that final field goal by the Vikings right after the saints came down and tied it on a 60 yard field goal of their own, right? and that's your star player you trust him in that moment there's a reason you're leaving him on an island against Justin Jefferson and he got burned right and so that puts you on my deadline right you did not you did not play up to your expectations and Justin Jefferson is Jefferson is very good right Justin Jefferson is a, is a legit star wide receiver in the NFL if you are a legit star cornerback you see a line of 10 catches on 13 targets for 147 yards uh if you think you had a good game, then then you're not a star cornerback because that should eat you up, right? And that matchup was fun to watch. I think that the Saints have a lot of faith in Marshawn Lattimore. And, you know, in reality, you probably needed to roll a little help to his side of the field knowing that Adam Thielen was a little banged up and he wasn't going to impact the game the way you thought he was going in. And, you know, it's like if you, can, if you can't put Paulson Adebo on KJ Osborne and, and feel good about it, then, you know, what are we doing here? Um, but yeah, so he's on my duds list. I don't think it's an issue with Marshawn. I don't think he's lost a step. I just think this is a tough matchup for him. I think he matches up better with the more physical wide receivers, you know, the, the more kind of, I don't know what the word is for it. Not, it's not athletic because Marshawn doesn't have an issue with like athletic wide receivers. It's more of kind of the subtle wide receivers, the, the, the really good route runners who aren't relying on physicality to get open. Right. I think, he struggles more with that than he does with Mike Evans, who he knows he can just bully and take out of his game because he's just mentally soft, right? And I don't think that's the case with Justin. Justin is beating you on cuts. Justin is beating you by setting you up. He's not trying to push off. He's trying to he's trying to set you up somewhere and go the other direction. And he did that on back-to-back plays. I think it was in the third quarter. Um, I want to say they both went for first downs. He did that in the end zone on a ball that, you know, if it's delivered where it needs to be, it's a touchdown and it probably changes the game uh, and, and really kind of hurts the Saints' chances. But Kirk Cousins delivered it behind him and he wasn't able to haul it in. And he could call it a drop. But, you know, Marshawn did not win that matchup. And if if your star cornerback, you know, is not winning his one-on-one matchups and you rely on that as the Saints, that lets you down. So that's why I'm putting Marshawn Lattimore in my duds list. The other honorable mentions there, obviously the refs, because they were terrible you know, I take that back. I don't think they were any worse than the other referee crews you've seen. I think that the refs in the NFL are just bad at their jobs and you see them make just mistakes that impact games. And there's just no way around it. It's like you just are, are bad at your job and you can't identify what a foul is versus what a foul is not. A lot of people were calling for pass interference on Cameron Dansler there at the end of the game with Chris Olave. That's just good coverage to me. Like you're saying, Oh, you can see his hand on his arm. That's what happens throughout the course of an NFL game. If you, if you watch the NFL in, in slow motion, there's a penalty on every play. You don't want a penalty on every play. You want them to be able to play. But the issue is you already called it on Marshawn Lattimore with this kind of incidental contact with both players fighting. And now you're not calling it the other way. And that's where you run into like, okay, you just made a mistake and you never, you did just, just move it on. And that doesn't work. You know, then there was also the phantom hands to the face call on Tyron Matthew. They did not have a great game. Still, it was not the worst refereed game that I've seen, you know, so that's saying something. Um, but yeah. So moving on, uh, Mark Ingram, he laid a dud today. Let's see. I don't know what his numbers were, but 10 carries for 30 yards, a long of eight yards, you know, I actually think he has run the ball pretty well. I think he was dealing with an injury today. So, you know, you kind of take it for what it is. He's 32 years old. I think he's been effective. He didn't fumble. <laughs> no Saints running backs fumbled. So I guess that's something a Saints quarterback did. I'm not putting Andy Dalton on my duds list for the fumble, but it is keeping him off of my studs list. because <laughs> That was a terrible fumble. And, you know, they just haven't gotten enough out of the running back position and not having Alvin Kamara as part of that. But you know you're sitting at one and three. You don't have star players. There's this offense is, does not have stars on it, right? You look at it and you're saying, okay, Andy Dalton is the quarterback. You know Chris Olave, who has been excellent, has was the wide receiver one. You know Jarvis Landry is a shadow of himself uh, in this game. He's the he's the wide receiver too. And it's like, okay, this is your offense, right? You're leading on Latavius Murray. You're leaning on Mark Ingram. This is not a this is not a competitive NFL offense in the year of our Lord 2022. You look over at the other side and you're looking at Dalvin Cook. You're looking at Justin Jefferson. You're looking at Adam Thielen. And it's like, these are playmakers. Where are yours? Um, and that's the frustrating part is these guys aren't healthy and you can't do it. Jarvis Landry is going to be my other pick for a dud. And it's, again, it's similar to Mark Ingram in the sense that he just didn't show up. And it's it's not necessarily your fault because you're dealing with an injury, but you got to have somebody show up in these matchups. And, you know, If Jarvis Landry, two catches for seven yards, he did have that two point conversion where they just ignored him in the end zone. It's not going to get it done. You need more out of him. This box score is pretty bleak. You know, I I think when you look at it, the offense kind of was more consistent today than it was in the past, past three games, at least it still wasn't good. And so that's why, like, I I know you're going to hear people kind of crowning Andy Dalton as like the savior of this offense. This was this is a bad Vikings defense, guys. (laughs) I need you to understand. It is not a good Vikings defense. They are their star defensive back is 32-year-old Patrick Peterson. He is at least three years beyond the point where he should be a, a CB1 in this NFL. So you should have been able to move the ball on this team. And you weren't able to for the first, you know. 30 minutes of this game you know you weren't able to consistently and to me that's a problem um I thought Andy was good I thought he was he was he was solid to good throughout the game that fumble was egregiously bad and I you know he's not like getting let off the hook for that one I mean you're a 35 year old quarterback you are not running for a first down there eat the ball go down why are you spinning (laughs) in the backfield If you are Andy Dalton and you are ever in a scenario where you're like, oh, I might have to spin to get out of this sack, just go down (laughs) and say, I'll see you on the next play. Because only bad things are going to happen. And that's what happened there. And and again, it's just like, these are simple things that you are just, you're just not able to execute. You can't field a punt. You can't... Like, if the defense is making a play, that's one thing. You are putting yourself in a bad position, and that's what you did on both of those fumbles today. That's what you've done on a lot of these turnovers. But, okay, I'm going to stop being mad, and I'm going to go to the, the, the studs that I think players that stood out in this game. First off, Latavius Murray. Good for you. I'm happy for Latavius Murray. This guy was basically just sent out to pasture, right? The Saints were like, pick a pay cut, and he said no, and they were like, okay, see ya. <laughs> and and he spent last year you know hanging out with the Ravens he had a really solid season based on a guy who showed up midway through training camp and and had to learn the offense but you know it wasn't the season he was hoping for and he, he didn't have any offers this offseason, right? He was sitting on his couch thinking, you know, am I just going to have to retire because I don't have any, any NFL options ahead of me? And the Saints called and said, hey, you want to spot on the practice squad? And so he came back. He knows this offense. He, he's going to have a chance. And I thought, you know, for a guy who just showed up today, he got elevated from the practice squad, team high, 57 yards on 11 touches and a touchdown. And the touchdown was like vintage Latavius Murray. It's the type of run we haven't seen the last two years with just a big dude who's just gonna lean his way into the end zone. That's really nice to have. And I tweeted this: if he's not on the active roster next week, it's because someone messed up the paperwork. Because you know you've had Tony Jones healthy and inactive for two consecutive weeks. I, I will not understand what if if you leave Latavius Murray on the practice squad. He has earned a roster spot, and. He, Frankly, he was a way more effective runner than Mark Ingram in this game. Again, I don't know what if Mark Ingram was dealing with an injury. He left at one point, went back to the locker room. So I think he was dealing with something, but Latavius was the was the more effective runner and I I don't know why you would overthink it at this point. Um I saw some people saying they should send Mark Ingram to the practice squad. I don't think that's true because I do think Mark Ingram has been solid in in spurts this year. He ran for 60 yards on 10 carries against the Bucs. A uh, very stout run defense, but you now Latavius has been better. And if Latavius is playing better, then he should get the reps. And so hopefully he does. On defense, uh, my studs. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a duo here because I thought Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport had really solid days today. You know, obviously they've been much maligned. You know, there's been questions about the the pass rush, the pressure. There was multiple times today where they just met at the quarterback, and that's good to see because. You talk about some of the positives you can pull out of this game, and the pass rush was there. You know, Kirk Cousins is obviously not a mobile guy, and it's a situation that, as a as a team that wants to get after the quarterback, this is the matchup you want, right? They, he was eating a little bit in the in the quick passing game early on when he tried to hold the ball. They were able to get pressure on and they were able to impact the game. And frankly, it's what allowed the Saints to get back into this game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport. Um, two guys who you know they get they get a lot of ridicule, a lot of criticism when when things aren't going well. So you got to give them credit when they do. Yeah, Davenport had half a sack, two QB hits. Cam Jordan he had half a sack, he had three QB hits. Kentavious Street also he had a sack, two QB hits. Demario had a sack and one uh, quarterback hit and attack for a loss. You know, so the pressure was there, and that's a good sign going forward. There's a lot of things this team has to figure out. There's a lot of things this defense has to figure out. If you can get pressure, you know, I didn't see much of Peyton Turner today, but if you can get pressure on the quarterback, you can solve a lot of your problems. A couple of honorable mentions on offense. Obviously Chris Olave had another big day. He was the leading receiver. I think it was four catches, 67 yards and a touchdown. First touchdown in the NFL. You know, he he's, he's gonna have more success with James Winston as the quarterback, right? That's just kind of the way he plays and, He is a deep threat and Andy Dalton is not a guy who's going to go downfield. So that's just, you know, the life he leads, but for him to have the type of day he had with Andy Dalton, I think that's impressive because it kind of shows his verse, the versatility and his skill set as a young player who, you know, has, has plenty of time to grow in the NFL. One more, Will Lutz. I know he missed that final kick. I understand that it didn't go in. When's the last time you asked a field goal kicker to try to go out and make six two sixty yarders within 10 minutes of each other he nailed the first one the second one missed by inches i still don't understand how it didn't go in here's what here's what will had to say about it i thought they were both in um i, I hit them both on the screws uh, i played them right third knowing the ball was gonna move a little left and the second one just moved a little more left so i'm kind of shocked it didn't bounce in but it's frustrating. Even after it dropped, from our point of view, from our position, it's hard to see it actually went over. Did you have the same kind of thing? Did you think it went over? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, it all happened so quick. Uh, I heard it hit the first doink, saw the second one, and then I saw them celebrate. So, figured it didn't go in. I question the, you know, I, I feel like you could have been more aggressive in getting him a few yards. You had 11 seconds. That is enough time to run something quick and get up and spike it. Obviously, you're questioning it. I think if, if you, it's it's almost tough because the reason you felt comfortable from 61 yards is because you just watched him hit from 60. But the odds against making back to back 60 yard field goals, although he said he practiced them from both directions, he felt confident in it. I understand it if you can run a quick play in the in the field and get up and spike it a 55 yarder goes in there right if that kick was from 60 yards it goes in heck he could run the ball i don't know it's frustrating because he feels like he let the team down it's like you know a 61 yard field goal that's not something you expect your kicker to make and uh it's just it's just too bad uh cuz that was would have been one of the most exciting kicks you would ever see a game tying 61 yard field goal as time expired and it it missed by millimeters. And like, that's why, you know, the saints, they had chances in this game. The, what makes it hurt so much is just how close it was, but who's to say they would have won in overtime. That's really all you were playing for, but I'm still giving Will Letts the stud card because the guy hit a 60 yard field goal in the clutch in this game. If the defense goes out there and holds up, then you don't you don't necessarily need him to kick a sixty one yard field goal. The fact that you had to ask him to do it again means you let your kicker down, not the other way around. So I'm giving I'm giving Will Lutz a, a stud card there. And the final one, you know, it's more about just the fact that he uh, was involved at all. And it's Adam Troutman. You know, it's a guy who was targeted one time through three weeks. He had three catches today. 37 yards one of them was a really nice screen down down in vikings territory late in the game that kind of set up that go-ahead touchdown i don't know why james winston does not throw to tight ends i think he needs two more um and i think this was just evidence of that like you don't have to pepper your tight ends with targets but you do have to be aware of them and use them and then he has not and so that's what you know if you want to pull some things out of today's game that are that you really need to look at if you're going back to Jameis Winston, it's you need to involve your tight ends, right? This guy is running routes, he's available to you. We need to be better in the screen game and we need to be able to do that. But those are my those are my picks. I'm I think that's a solid list. And this team is in trouble. There's no other way to put it. Um, you needed this win. Not to save your season per se you know this is a long season there's a lot of games left right you know you could get on a run and win a few games and all of a sudden you're feeling good again but there's a lot of negative negativity swirling around this team right now just in terms of what what what's happening right it's a it's a first year head coach and nothing has worked absolutely nothing has worked the way the way you expected it to and i don't know how you go about fixing that but expecting the tide to turn you know it, i don't think that's how it's going to work i think you're more likely to get in a rip tide than you are to see the tide turn because this is something you have to do you have to make changes and you have to start winning football games the only positive thing for this team is they get to go home and face a objectively bad seahawks team in week five, if you lose that game, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You know, that is that is a must win is always tough to say because it means that, OK, if they lose this game, then you're done, right? You don't have any chance. But that's not true. That wasn't true this week. That's not true next week because crazy things can happen. You can go on a 10 game winning streak and all of a sudden it's, it doesn't matter. I'm not saying they will, but that's my point is that it's possible if you go out there and you lose next week to the Seattle Seahawks with the fighting Geno Smiths. Man, uh, the experiment is over, in my opinion. You're, you're tearing this down. You're starting from scratch. But hopefully it doesn't get to that point. And this is a team that can figure it out, and I think it will. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm usually a positive guy. I am not positive right now. There's not a lot of positivity coming from my direction. And maybe, maybe it's because I had to wake up and host a show at 4 a.m. this morning. But, you know, <laughs> I think it's merited. All right, again, this is Inside Black and Gold brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. Stick around. We're going to go to a break and I'm going to bring in a bunch of the mailbag questions. We're going to go through them shotgun style here on Inside Black and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Black and Gold brought to you by the Lamar Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. And I think there must be a reason for some of these Saints struggles. Let's see, if, let's see if any of these questions can help me get to it. We're going to go through a live mailbag to close out the show. Uh, our post-game podcast from the Vikings 28, Saints 25 over in London. You know, if there's anywhere that appreciates a good kicking game, it's got to be the folks, uh, the folks across the pond, right? So they got, they got a treat, you know, they got a treat. They got to see some long boots. Um, but yeah, so WW, too many penalties and costly turnovers for straight weeks. Yes, I mean it, it's beyond okay. We we just we we just weren't sharp today. It, I mean you can't continue to say that it's like oh we can't keep shooting ourselves in the foot. Because at a point, at a certain point, it's like, yeah, you need to make changes with how you're operating. You you can't continue to work the same way. And it's just, it's D A and DA said this and I agree with him. You know, it's it's the difficult part is it's not just one person. It's not, you know, you could say, okay, Mark Ingram had two fumbles, whatever. But you know, you're talking about a team that is struggling with turnovers at virtually every position, right? You can't you can't single out Jameis Winston, you can't single out Mark Ingram. You know, Andy Dalton came in there and had a bad fumble. Alvin Kamara went in there and had a bad fumble. Deontay Hardy went in there and had a bad fumble. And these are guys you should, you're supposed to be able to depend on, and they're letting you down. So, uh, it's 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 frustrating. And I, I don't know, uh, I don't know what you do, but it, you know, it's it, it's a bad reflection on the coaching, and there's no there's no way around that. Gary McCain, should we have beaten the Vikings with all these injuries? I don't know. if You, I mean, should is tough, like. They weren't favored in the game, right? They were underdogs on the betting line. So to if you look at it from that perspective, I mean, they were underdogs. So it would have been an upset, but it was an upset that you very easily could have made. And I think you needed to make to have any confidence in your season going forward, because for now, right now. I don't have a ton of confidence in what they can do down the stretch, especially when you get into the meat of your schedule. Like these are supposed to be the easier games on your schedule. You have tougher games coming up and I don't know, I don't know what you're expecting out of them, but this is not a good, a good look for it. David Weil and the 150 yards don't count the penalties against Lattimore. Yeah. So that's a good point. Yeah. And so. Justin Jefferson, 10 catches for 147 yards. Now, Marshawn was not matched up against him on every single play. So keep that in mind. Like, it's not like Marshawn was guarding him and he caught the ball 10 times, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of them were, you know. And the plays that you don't account for are the 39-yard pass interference penalty, right? And there were some other penalties throughout the game that Marshawn had a hand in. And, you know, that's not a win for your, for your CB1. So, yeah, it's a rough day for him. Friends, they didn't have enough confidence in Jameis Winston to give him a contract, went after Watson, but give up their 20 23 first for a receiver. Loomis has to go. GMs are there to make sure this D- BS doesn't happen. I mean, yeah, you can you can definitely question the decision making uh, in that in that move. I mean, I think a lot of it goes into this is a team that felt like it could compete with the pieces it had. And so that's what that's what you do. But yeah, no, you, you can definitely you can definitely question that. I still think you know, Andy played fine today. Andy was exactly what Andy is, right? He is a very high floor, low ceiling player. It's exactly what you want in a backup quarterback. But what, what I'll say to you, in terms of the people who might be out there saying, okay, we should, we should make Andy Dalton your starting quarterback, is you need better play from the quarterback position than we have seen through four weeks full stop. I mean that that's that's just a fact, especially if you get into some of these more difficult matchups. And what you saw from Andy today was solid. I think that is the ceiling of what you're going to see from Andy Dalton, right? That that's the issue is that you know, it's not going up from there. You you'll have better weapons and you might see some improvement and some, you know, more dynamic performances, but by and large, you know, this is the guy you're looking at. And that's, you know, you expected a lot more out of Jameis Winston than what you got in the first three weeks. And so I think that's where you're going back to, right? You're, you're going back to Jameis when he's healthy and hoping that the more dynamic player that you expected to see still exists. Um, and so, yeah, so, but, you know, I think what Andy showed today is that he's capable of leading this team to wins very similarly to what Cooper Rush is doing with the Cowboys right now they beat Washington today. They're four and one or three and one. I'm sorry. You know, so that's what guy you want to have around. And I think what this game kind of instilled is like, Andy is a capable NFL quarterback, but you need someone who's going to help you win games. And I'm just not sure he is that at this point in his career. And if you're not getting that out of Jameis, then that's a problem too, right? Because you wouldn't have gone into this season the way you went into this season, thinking that, okay, yeah, we have a chance as long as Andy Dalton is in there, right? So if you're not getting top 15 caliber play out of your quarterback, then the season is is probably shot to begin with. And and I don't I don't know what you do there, but I don't think that you're going to kick Jameis to the curb hoping that Andy can be your be your savior but I think he he played reasonably well today outside of that fumble and if you do end up having to go to him down the stretch I think you feel okay about it Ernest Adams Jr let Ingram go this this is what annoys me It's like every time someone has a, a poor performance it's like he's washed get rid of him and it's like I mean he's 32 years old you knew what he was going into the season I think you let Tony Jones Jr go if you're not using him as a special teams contributor, uh and you're not because he was inactive the last two weeks without an injury, what what purpose is he serving on this roster? I don't I, I would argue there is not one. Um, so I think I think he's a guy who most likely gets waived either this week or next and you stash him on the practice squad and you and you elevate or you sign Latavius Murray to the active roster. Because you can elevate guys three times before you have to sign them. So theoretically, they could leave Latavius on the practice squad and continue to bring him up and still get the use out of him. But I would be very surprised if he's not if he's not signed to the active roster. Franz on, on Latavius. He's an upright runner. His size keeps him effective. I love it. He should put on 20 pounds. <laughs> Speed doesn't matter. Just flattened linebackers. I don't know. 20 pounds seems like a lot. But, you know, yeah, right. He's a big guy. He's a downhill runner. And it's something the Saints haven't had since he left. Right, I think he was a very good compliment to. Oh, good! That young came out of nowhere. He was a very good compliment to Alvin Kamara, and you just haven't had that. You know, I think Mark Ingram was a very good compliment to Alvin Kamara earlier in his career, and I think he's just a little more limited now in what you can expect out of him. And you know, so if if that combo still works better, then I, I don't see why you would force feed Mark Ingram. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm on board with the idea that you can you can sign Latavius and see what he has in a multi-week kind of basis and give him a more lion share of the RB two reps, but I still don't think you get rid of Mark Ingram. I don't see how that benefits you. Geronimo Cat eight nine at best, and I highly doubt that. Yeah, I mean, you're this is a tough start. If you were, if you're one of the double digit win hopefuls, which I was, um, you know, I still think you can get to 10 wins. Man, I'm yawning. This is what happens when you wake up at 4am to host a pregame show. I still think you can get to 10 wins, right? But it's a much more difficult road now. You, I mean, just do the math, right? <laughs> you would need to go nine and four, the, yeah, nine and four the rest of the way, which is not impossible. Right. I mean, that's not a crazy number to get to 10 wins, but that's what you have to do to get to 10 wins. Right. Eight and five does not get you to 10 wins. Seven and six does not get you anywhere near 10 wins. Doesn't even get you to 500. So that's where you're at right now. And you need to start winning some football games. And, you know, there are teams out there that have underperformed just like the Saints have. You know the funny thing is the the Falcons have been good. The Falcons have been impressive. They're two and two. That's never that's never fun if you're if you're a Saints fan, right? But Arizona's losing seven to three to the to the to the Panthers as I as I record this podcast late in the second quarter. That is a team that I expected to be much better than it is. So maybe that matchup is more winnable now than I thought it was. You know the Bengals, a team that we expected to be very good, has struggled. Right? The Seahawks, who I started this podcast by saying they're washed and they're terrible. They put up 48 points on the Lions today. So who's to say, but there are winnable games and you just have to go out and win them. And that's, that's what's been frustrating about watching this team play is over the course of the Drew Brees, Sean Payton era, it was always a team that you felt like they know how to win. They understand how to win. You don't lose games that you're supposed to win, especially in the regular season at the very least, because they play a certain way and they play winning football. What the Saints are doing right now is not playing winning football. They're playing losing football. They are doing what teams like the Giants, the Jets, the Jaguars, the the Panthers, and the Falcons have been doing in the last few years, which, you know, it's that's a hallmark of bad football, of teams that lose a lot of games. And if you were in a position where you hadn't traded your first-round pick for next year, you would be considering just saying okay let's go get a top pick right like let's let's trade away any assets that that we can trade and gets and pull in some draft assets and you know we can not necessarily tank but kind of passively accept a bad season so you can go get a top 10 pick and maybe bring in a quarterback right but that's not on the table you have taken that option off the table for yourself so you don't have any choice you're going like you're trying to win this season um, and if you don't do it, all it does is benefit the Eagles. So you got to figure something out. Geronimo Cat again. What hurts is as soon as we get a stand, we immediately give it back. I can only laugh at this ish now. Yeah, right. The last two games, right when the offense put you in a position for your defense to win the game, it happened today. And in week three, you saw the offense go down and make it a six point game. And all you needed was the defense to get the ball back to the offense, to give yourself a chance to go down and and take a lead. And instead, what happened? A 67-yard touchdown to LaVisca Chennault, right? Today, so the Saints score a touchdown, converting the two-point conversion, go up 22 to 19. You immediately allow a drive for a touchdown that Justin Jefferson end around. Will Lutz kicks a 60-yard field goal. You have all the mo momentum you could possibly ask for and immediately you cave immediately your star cornerback is chasing justin jefferson down the left sideline for a 49 yard catch and this is supposed to be the strength of this team the defense when your offense puts together drives and puts you in a position to win games the defense has to be able to do that if the defense is not going to close out games for you if this defense is not going to close out games for you you're not going to win a lot of football games because this offense especially the offense we saw today without Alvin Kamara, without Michael Thomas, that's not going to win a lot of games, right? <laughs> uh, so you got to be better. You got to be better on the defensive side of the ball. And it is, and it is frustrating. And and it's frustrating on the defense too, because there were several times in the last few weeks where, okay, yeah, the defense made a stand, right? The defense forced a punt. Oh, okay. Fake punt. Okay, cool. Right. The defense forced a punt. Oh, okay. Deontay fumbled it. Great. You know, the defense... Got the ball back to the Saints late in the first half. Oh, oh, okay. So uh, fumble, Andy, great. Yeah. So like that's, you know, both sides are letting each other down. This is not a team that's playing complimentary football at any level. And that's, and that is a major problem. But okay, we're going to cut that one off there. I'm going to hit a quick break. And then we're going to come back and finish out some of these questions. Thanks everyone for watching. Thanks everyone for throwing comments, questions in here. I appreciate it. As always, again, I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports Reefs. This podcast is sponsored by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There's got to be a reason. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold. Back here on inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Nowak WWL digital sports producer. And we're going through viewer questions in the live mailbag reacting to the saints, 28 to 25 loss to the Vikings. And the way they lost is probably the most painful part of it because you were literally centimeters away. Like the, the, you, to say like every inch counts. It's a cliche, but literally you were in, if that kick is an inch to the right, that bounces through. I mean, I still can't fathom how exact you couldn't do that. If you tried, it reminded me of the old, like, this is the, like draft me commercials, the fantasy football commercials where like the football players would go out there and say, pick me on your fantasy. team, And then they would do something insane. That was like, obviously, you know, not real, like Lawrence Maroney jumping through a car or like, uh, chris cooley like punching through a wall and catching the ball right i think marcus colston had one um i can't i I can't remember now chris chambers i think marcus colston had one where he just like went like that and caught it which honestly i'm pretty sure people can do that in real life he might have actually done it that's what it reminded me of like when you (laughs) he's if you were able as a as a kicker to kick the upright and have it bounce onto the to the crossbar you should just go into trick shot pool because, like, that's that would be the most impressive thing I've ever seen. Like, that's how ridiculous it was. Um, but when they decided to go for the 60 yarder, I sent out a tweet that said, The, the smart play is to punt and trust your defense. The smart play is to punt and trust your defense. And I was basing that off of okay, they're not going to kick a 60 yard field goal right now, it doesn't make sense. So, your options are punt it or go for it. Well, in this case, they decided to kick a 60-yard field goal, and they hit it. Uh, but it's, it's rare to see a team kick in that situation. I think punting is the more conventional route, and it worked out. And you have Will Lutz, so it makes a lot more sense. I still think that you, know, you, you would have to trust your defense to do it. But if you trust your kicker, and you can pin this team deep... And really put pressure on them. They're not going to want to throw the ball. They're up by three. If you pin them and they're inside their own ten, inside their own five, there's a really good chance they screw up, right? And I, I still think that I wouldn't have hated to see them not try that sixty yarder there because if you miss that sixty yarder, the game's over, and at best you're tying it. And you, you were going to get the ball back one way or the other. They allowed points and they still got the ball back. So if you pin them deep and force them to punt, there's a decent chance that you get the ball back closer than when you punted it with timeouts and with a chance to go in and win the game on your terms. And that's that's the only thing that bothered me. I They made it, so it doesn't matter. It was the right decision because they made it. But I still, I would have probably punted it there. And maybe I'm just a wuss, but I think that you had a better chance to win that game if you pinned them deep, just because we know Blake Gilligan is, is an incredible punter and he's able to pin teams inside the five-yard line. And that's essentially a turnover. You're not throwing it in that situation. And if you're, you can't trust your defense to get you the ball back after you pin a team deep, then why are you trusting them to try to hold a team without a field goal in the final three minutes, right? You're doing the same thing. You are essentially in the same situation, except instead of getting it at the 25, you're going to force them to get it at their own 10, their own 5. And so I I still think that that would have been the the better play, but hindsight's twenty twenty. whatever they made it. It doesn't matter. The saints had a chance to kick a 60 yard field goal to win it. And they didn't, but that's where I was kind of coming from with that. And, you know, people get me a hard time. I think, you know, someone tagged old takes exposed and saying, like, I don't, I don't care. I still think it's the right call. Uh, David Wild DA is now third nine and 31 as a head coach. And while it isn't necessarily fair to bring up the Raiders numbers in this current head coaching regime, the more games you lose, the more fair it becomes because it's it stops being something you can excuse because of the ineptitude of the Raiders, and it starts being something you have to think about when you are on pace for the same record <laughs> with the Saints, right? One win every three losses, and uh, it's not good. It's not a good picture you're painting right now. T-Dirty, 0-0. I'm a Saints fan no matter what. Having my own opinion and criticism of this team's performance doesn't make anyone less of a fan. Real fans know what their team could be. We just want more. See, see, there's a line here, right? What annoys me is not people being critical of players. Players screw up, fine. Call them out on it, whatever. It's when it's like, you know, like it's happening with Tyron Matthew right now. And and it's annoying to me because like Tyron Matthew is a very good football player. Tyre Matthews a 5'9 safety. And people apparently don't think that he's tackling well enough. He's a 5'9 safety. He's not a linebacker. What did you expect to happen in open with open field tackles? Like if he's going out and trying to cover Irv Smith and trying to tackle him in the open field, you know, he's going to do his best. It's not going to happen fast. He's going to take him down, but it's, you know, that that's a hard thing to do, right? And so like, what, what, what are we criticizing here? You don't even see him. If you're watching on the broadcast, you don't even see Tyron Matthew for a majority of the play. You only see him if the, the front end of your defense doesn't do his job and he has to come up and make a tackle because the the running back got to the second level, which has been happening a lot this season compared to a season's past. But like, if you go on Twitter, Tyron Matthew is trash, right? Tyron Matthew is having a terrible season. I don't think that's true. I think you, most people just aren't aware of what he's doing because you don't see the safeties. And I also think he's being asked to do a lot right now because Marcus May is hurt and you don't really have safety depth. You're asking PJ Williams to go out there and, and, and start at safety. That's what you're doing. You don't have CJ in the slot, so you have to have him up in the slot. You have to have Justin Evans up in the slot. And that's tough. It's one of the reasons you really like CJ because he was a tough-nosed guy and he would go up and tackle. You don't have him anymore. So you're asking guys like Tyron to, to take on more of that role. And, you know, if you're bringing Tyron in and you said, man, we really need a great tackler at the safety position. That's not the guy you should have brought in. I mean, it's just a fact. He's a solid tackler, but he's limited by his size. And so all that is to say, like, I don't mind criticism of players, but it's like, why, why trash players on your own team? Why is that fun? Does that make you feel better about yourself? It's like, no, support the team you can be critical of the team, but like so much of it is just like personal. Like, 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 like you want this person to feel bad. (laughs) It's like, they feel bad. They lost the game. Just, just leave it. Like, I don't know. It it bothers me, but I agree with you uh, here. Like you can be critical. I don't mind people being critical. It's when it becomes like this, like personal vendetta that, that bugs me. And it happens a lot. David Robinson here. If someone signs Sean Payton, we'll get two first round picks. well, you might. It's not like a it's not like a set price. I think I think a lot of people seem to think that like, oh, that's kind of the set price for a for a head coach. It might be what the Saints ask for, but that doesn't mean that's what they're gonna get. You know, they, they do have to allow the trade to happen. So if they stick to their guns and say, Hey, we we're not gonna trade him for less than two first round picks, then yeah, sure. But in the real world, there's negotiations. And, you know, if if the best offer you have on the table is like a first round pick or a second round pick, you might do it. Like, because the longer you go, the further out you go, the the lower the compensation is going to be just in terms of like, you know, it's your leverage gets less and less because people are like, oh, maybe he's not coming back. And, and there is a thing that, that like maybe Sean Payton does just say, yeah, I don't want to come back anymore. It's been too long. The Saints have held me hostage. And I don't think that's going to happen. But. Yeah. I mean, I think this is based on like the, the conversation earlier about, you know, there's no, the saints just have no choice but to go try to win because they don't have a first round pick. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a chance you could recoup a first round pick wherever Sean Payton goes. Like it's possible. You know, I I think it's, it's reasonably likely that it happens if not this year, then next year, but that doesn't change the fact that your first round pick is going somewhere else. So if you finish in the, in the, top 10 of the drafts, the Eagles are the ones benefiting from that. Whether whether you get a first round pick from the Chargers or the Cowboys or whatever. And so that's just, you've, you've made your bed. You got to lie in it now. Okay. People arguing about Andy Dalton. They're saying, you know, there was one comment saying that Andy Dalton was worlds better today than Jameis Winston has been all season. And, you know, I, I disagree with that. Andy was fine today. Andy was exactly fine. Jameis has underperformed what you would hope he could have throughout the first three games of the season. And, you know, the the glass half full view is saying, well, he's dealing with a broken back. And I think that's not unreasonable. The Saints should have sat him down week three and they should have allowed Andy Dalton to go out there and start. And if the back was still an issue this week, you could have still seen Andy Dalton in there. But I don't think that what we saw today, you know, it, it, it looked better right? The, the offense seemed like it had a little bit of a better rhythm, but again, I think I said this earlier, this was a bad defense. This is not a good defense at all. You know, this is a team that allows you to throw the middle of the field. So yeah, you're going to be able to move the ball, but I mean, we can just look at the numbers. 20 for 28, 236 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's okay. You know, he also had a fumble you know, it's, it's, he was exactly okay right? And and the reason that you bring Jameis back is because you are hopeful that he can be better than okay, right? Because you need better than okay at this point to turn this season around. Otherwise, you know, it's like you could have stuck with Trevor Simeon all last year. It, it wasn't going to work either. I, I just don't, I don't see it, but we'll see. Yes. Brian Cavett points out Saints last place in the division. Yeah. That's not where you want to be. Christopher Gatlin, this is the most undisciplined Saints team that I have seen in a long time. And I'm trying to think, you know, when would be the last most undisciplined team? Yeah, no, I mean, that's that is the that is the calling card of this team to this point in the season. You're heading into week five and the most consistent thing you can say that you've observed about this Saints team is they give away games and they find ways to lose. You know, the only game they lost, I'm sorry, the only game they didn't lose was against the Falcons. And it was a game that it sure felt like the teams were competing to lose. It felt like the Falcons wanted to lose more than the Saints did that day. And that's what they did. But beyond that, it's just, okay, what other dumb, silly, stupid mistake can you make to cost yourself in this big moment? And they're going to do it. Here's a good question. St. John Butler, and I think we can close on this. What happened to Taysom Hill being a tight end? He has one target in four games. That man in space is a problem. I agree. But I think what happened to Taysom being a tight end is what usually happens in this situation. Dennis Allen literally only said once in passing at the NFL Combine that Taysom is going to be focusing more on tight end. That was literally the statement he made. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like this declaration that Taysom's a tight end now and blah, blah, blah. But he said that it was a kind of a comment in passing and everyone in their mother was like, Oh my gosh, Taysom Hill's a tight end. Now fantasy leagues tripped over themselves to change him from quarterback to tight end. And, all along you know if like if you go back and you watch that interview it was very noncommittal it was just like yeah he's going to be working in the tight end room and he did work in the tight end room this off season he wasn't wearing a red jersey he wasn't throwing passes he was working as a tight end but that doesn't mean that he's a, that he's a tight end it just means that he's he's working with those players he's go, getting into those roles and so yeah he's not really a tight end he had a touchdown today though um I think that he is still kind of that power QB quarterback run guy. And I think that you should be working him more into passing sets, but we've already seen that Taysom, I'm sorry, that Jameis is not really, doesn't really target tight ends to begin with, right? Adam Troutman has one target through three games. If there's no targets available for Adam, why would there be targets available for Taysom at the tight end position? Right? I mean, it's just the way it is and so I, I don't i don't know and and i think like i said part of the issue is people got kind of head over heels for this idea of Taysom Hill as the tight end and no one bothered to listen to the coach who has said several times since that interview that you know he's going to be this kind of swiss army knife do it all role my 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 critique of that would be that he's not in a do it all role he's in a very specific role and that role is run the ball from the quarterback position. Yeah. So I I agree with you. Like he is a problem in space and you have to find ways to get him the ball. I do wonder this week if potentially needing him as a quarterback was a factor because you elevated Jake Luton. I don't think you wanted to put him in the game. I think he was the emergency quarterback. And if you had seen Andy Dalton go down, you probably would have put Taysom in there. And the last, and so he missed week two, right? Taysom Hill. He was limited in week three, so there's a chance that you are just kind of gauging his snaps and not getting him into a full workload um but that should hopefully that changes Barbara Williams here more like black and gold to the toilet bowl i thought it was I thought it was funny, and she also chimes in undisciplined like Haszlit's teams yeah, that's a good that's a good one that's a good one. that was probably the last true black and gold to the toilet bowl era of the saints but all right i think that's where i'll wrap it up thanks everyone for tuning in thanks everyone for dropping in a question i hope we got to a majority of them i know it's just been kind of a rant session but that's really all we need to do after a game like this because it's bad it's bad it's not fun to watch it's not fun to experience um i feel bad for any of the fans who spent a fortune to fly out to london (laughs) um but at least you know they got to watch a good game so it could be worse But all right, that's going to wrap it up on this episode of Inside Black and Gold brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. Thanks so much for everyone who listened, everyone who dropped in the comment. And if you end up on Apple Podcasts and you want to scroll down and hit the five stars and give us a review, I always appreciate hearing from you all. I need to know know, what you guys like, what you guys don't like, what you think I should be doing more of, what I should be doing less of, whether you just don't like my voice because it's nasally and I sound like Ray Romano, whatever you want to say, I'll accept it and move on. And that's it. All right, y'all. Be easy.